Here's, here's a little bit of logic for you, which uh, tickled me. It says, the Japanese eat very little fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than British or Americans. On the other hand, the French eat a lot of fat and also suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or Americans. The Japanese drink very little red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or Americans. The Italians drink excessive amounts of red wine and also suffer fewer heart attacks than British or Americans. And therefore, the conclusion of the logic is that you can eat and drink what you like because it's speaking English that kills you. <laughs> Many people have no purpose in life. They have no hope, no future, nothing to aim for, nothing to look forward to. And that is not true of anybody who knows Jesus personally. Jesus gives the gift of life to anybody who will receive it from him. And that means life today, but also life in the future, life after we've died physically. Jesus gives us a reason to live, a hope that is secure, a future that is exciting, something that is really worth living for, a future that is beyond compare. And as we celebrate our church's 10th birthday today, I want to look at the reason that we exist as a church, or at least some of it. What is the point of the Oxford Vineyard Church? What has God called us to be and to do? What is our purpose here? And uh, we, the, that is the staff, have rewritten our mission statement to try and make it a bit clearer and easier to remember. Remember the last one had the five M's in it? And uh, I'm not sure how many people can remember what they were, but... Uh, I couldn't remember the whole wording of the whole thing, so we've, we've reworded it. So if we could have the, the mission statement up. It's uh, to build a worshipping community in the Oxford area that reaches out and brings the transforming reality of Jesus into every life. So really it's saying exactly the same thing, but it's hopefully saying it in a slightly more memorable way. Don't worry if you can't memorise it word for word, although if you can you might find it useful. But if you can remember the main phrases, that will at least help you to understand who we are and what we're about. So the main things are that we're a worshipping community, that we reach out, and uh, the other thing is the transforming reality of Jesus. And uh, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so the first thing is that we would like to invite you to be part of a worshipping community. God calls us to be a community and to be in community. The Bible uses several pictures that help us understand who we are, what we're meant to be. Uh, it talks about us being a body, talks about us being a family, and so on. So take, for example, the first verse here, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. It's making an assumption if we have come to Jesus, if we've surrendered our lives to him, if we've received that gift of life from him, then we also find ourselves as a natural or supernatural consequence of that becoming part of his body, part of his family, the church. And we're called to be active in that body, to be part of the community, part of the family. But it's very easy to come along and in a sense be part of the, the community and yet not really get involved in what's going along without being active. 
And we believe that we're called to be active, not an audience. To be part of the team and not just a spectator. Now, we also believe that every person, as they come to the church, needs to have freedom to be able to uh, jump in, to join in, and to become active at their own speed. And some people come and they need a long time to be able to just sit at the back or at the side or, and just watch what's going on. And that's okay. And then after a bit they check us out and they feel a bit safer and then they start to get involved a bit more. And uh, it's okay for people to do that, but we, what we want you to know is that please don't just stay on the edges. Don't stay as a spectator. That may be part of the process you need to do as you come here, but please come and get involved, because if you don't get involved, you will miss so much of what happens. Now, what kind of a community are we called to be? We could be a chocolate-eating community. Yes, we could. We could be a sporting community. One person wants to be a sporting community. We'd better have one other person to go with you. But uh, We could be an exclusive community. All sorts of different things that we could be. And in fact, there are many things that need to be in place for us to be a healthy community. And I believe chocolate really is one of those. And so I'm hoping that you're bringing huge quantities this evening so that I can help you eat it. Uh, there are other things that we definitely don't want to be part of our community. We don't want to be exclusive in any way. But at the heart of who we are and what we do, we are a worshipping community. We have a purpose in being together. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be here. All of us have many uh, things that we love to do, different calls on our time, and it's a sacrifice for every one of us to be able to be here this morning because we've had to say no to other things in order to be able to come here. We've had to cut something else out. Ephesians 5.23, it says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. <clears throat> Jesus is the reason for us being here. He gives us life, he gives us healing, he gives us freedom, he gives his provision, his protection, his direction, and so much more. And those are things that we receive as we come together uh, in community. And we have Jesus as the head. Jesus directs us. And we say that worship is a way of life. And we don't want to uh, just come together and then turn on the religious or the spiritual bit. I hope we won't be religious at all. But it's the life of Jesus being naturally supernatural that is who we are and what we want to become. Being worshippers of um, Jesus is about having the life of Jesus in every part of our life. Having Jesus directing our decisions. Having him uh, direct our lifestyle, our beliefs, our behaviour. We're people with a purpose. We're people who have something to live for. We have an aim. We have a reason for doing the things that we do. And the reason that we're here is because Jesus loves us and we love him. And uh, just as we've done in that worship time, we want to reflect our love back to him for all that he's done for us, for all that he is. And so that love, both 
that we receive from God and that we reflect back to him is a central part of who we are as a community. But it doesn't finish there. Yes, we have the love from God and we need to get as much of that as we can. Yes, we reflect our love back to God and we need to do that with every ounce of strength that we have in our body. But we also need to allow God's love to overflow from us, both individually and as a community, to the people in the Oxford area and beyond. And so that brings us to the second thing that we would like to invite you to be part of reaching out. John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. And that's what we've been talking about, that as we start to open up and receive the love of God as it comes to us, that our hearts start to change and we start to want to reflect that love back to God. But then it goes on to say, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who doesn't love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Our reason for being here together is not just to receive from God and express our thanks and our love back to him. Part of our worship is reaching out. It's not an optional extra, is it? It says there, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Because if you don't do that, if you don't express that love to other people, the the Bible says then you don't really love God. You haven't really uh, understood and received who God is. We're made for mission. And as we allow God's love into our hearts, then naturally we start to reflect his heart. That we become passionate about people. Jesus died on the cross and suffered hell in our place. Not so that we could be religious, not so that we could have meetings, not so that we could feel good about ourselves, although God does want us to feel good about ourselves, but so that everybody without exception, could come to know him. There's a story in the Bible about some guys who had leprosy. Leprosy in those days was a highly infectious and very vicious skin disease. It would eat away at your skin, you could lose parts of your body, it would disfigure you. Anyone with leprosy was excluded from the community. They were horrid to look on, And also people were afraid of being near them because they were afraid of catching leprosy from them. Afraid afraid of the infection. And so in in the society of those days, they were the last and the least. They were total outcasts uh, in that society. Now on one occasion, Jerusalem was under siege from one of their neighbours. An invading army from Aram had come in and surrounded Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had been surrounded for so long by the Aramean army that the people inside Jerusalem started to run out of food. And famine started to creep through the city. And now we find our four lepers. And we find them just outside the city gate. They weren't allowed inside the city uh, because of their disease. And uh, they would have food thrown over the city wall to them you know, a few husks of bread or whatever each day. But then they got to the position where because of the famine inside Jerusalem, their food supply had run out. 
Now obviously they couldn't go into Jerusalem, even if they could, there wasn't any food there. If they stayed where they were, they were going to starve to death. And so they decided that they would take the risk of going across no man's land to the Aramean army. Maybe that they wouldn't get any food, maybe they'd get killed instead, but at least they'd die quickly that way, hopefully. And so they had their siesta, and uh, then they decided, uh, just as it was beginning to get dark, and have a little bit more cover, that they would move across to the Aramean army. And I think they would have been feeling pretty nervous as they went, half expecting an arrow at any moment, and uh, no arrow came, and they got a bit closer, and they found themselves right up on the edge of the Aramean camp, and there was no sound at all. It was really quite eerie. And they went into the, the camp and started moving amongst the tents, and there was no sound. There was no person there at all, because what they didn't know was that God had turned up. And God had turned up with um, a few angels, and what the Aramean army had heard was the sound of a huge army coming into town. And uh, we're told that they were scared witless. They were so frightened, so freaked, that they just dropped everything and scarpered back to Aram as fast as they could. And the camp was left there, completely empty. And so the lepers went into the first tent and there was food. And there was drink. And there was clothing. And there was silver. And so they stuffed their faces and they drank as much as they could. And then they started to carry off into hiding all the uh, silver and all the clothing that they could find. And they cleaned out the first tent and then they went to the second tent and they started doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden they stopped. And they realized that what they were doing was wrong. In 2 Kings 7 verse 9, they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. They said, behind us is the city of Jerusalem, people starving to death, and here we are, pigging out. We can't hold this stuff to ourselves. We've got to go back and tell the city, to tell our relatives, tell the people who've rejected us. We can't keep it to ourselves. And so, <clears throat> I think they probably stuffed one uh, pocket full of chocolate, another pocket full of fruit, you know, it was a balanced diet, grabbed a couple of chicken drumsticks and off they went back to the city, back to the city gate. And what response did they get? Total disbelief. People inside the city thought that it was an ambush, it was a trap, just to get them to open up the city gates and then the army would come in. And uh, it took them quite a long time before they actually trusted them and they actually came out and enjoyed the spoils in the Aramean camp. We have so much that we've received from God and there is so much more to receive. And we are doing wrong if we don't go out and let this dying city know that there is spiritual food and that there is life available. They may be sceptical. They will be sceptical. Some people may laugh at you. Some people may ridicule you. But eventually, they will believe because they will see the truth of what you're saying in your life. They will see Jesus in you. Now, as I was reading that story this week, it really touched me and it made me feel very uncomfortable because I don't like moving outside my comfort zone. And uh, it challenged me that I need to be proactive 
in moving out and telling people about Jesus. I can't just uh, sit back, I can't take things for granted, I can't let anybody else do it for me. Whether they're members of staff or whatever, I have to do it. We want to reach out to Oxford, to the surrounding towns and villages, but we also want to reach out beyond that. God calls us to go to all nations. And uh, one of the neat things about Oxford is that God has brought all the nations to us, which is rather convenient. We don't have to go far geographically to be able to reach out to all sorts of different people groups. There are thousands of international students who come to Oxford every year. There are whole pockets of uh, asylum seekers. There are all sorts of different groups, different ethnic groups, different social groups, hundreds of different groupings that we could go and reach out to. And so we don't have to go very far. There are also countries where the good news about Jesus has never been heard. And some people are called to move geographically to go and reach out to those people. A few weeks ago I told you about some vineyard churches that we support in Tajikistan. And uh, for those of you who weren't here, um, what had happened was that that week their office, where they, where they run relief work from, as well as doing their church planting, had been broken into one evening. Uh, their security guard had been killed, uh, well, with an axe, I'll leave the you, the imagination up to you. Not a pretty thing, not a nice way to die. And uh, $10,000 have been stolen, which was their total budget for doing relief work. The local police took their employees into custody, beat them, interrogated them, tortured them to try and make them confess to, the, to doing the killing themselves. Uh, the day before I heard the next bit of news, uh, I had an email from them saying that the KGB were talking about uh, closing down their relief work and kicking them all out of the country. Uh, now, we took up a special offering, and so we sent off £1,100 to them, and a number of other churches have done a similar thing, and they wrote back to say how grateful they are, so thank you to those of you who gave. Uh, they, the day before, they had reopened their food distribution. Uh, Tajikistan is an incredibly poor country. Also, the three men who had killed the guard had been caught and confessed to the killing as well. And so uh, it's been a pretty scary situation for them to be in. But as people have prayed and as people have given practically, God has turned that situation around. Now, uh, I'm planning to go there, hopefully, at the beginning of October to uh, go and visit those churches. If any of you would like to come, I'd love the company. Uh, apparently it's going to be quite an eye-opener, but uh, if you're interested, just let me have a know. Let me know. You may not feel qualified to reach out. You may feel like one of the lepers, that you really have nothing. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. You have life to give, and we must not keep this gift to ourselves. The third thing that we would like to do is to invite you to be part a transformation. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We have hope. We have a real reason to live. 
we are very rich. God has blessed us and provided for us in so many ways and promises to do so even more in the future. And we have God's power in our lives, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and broke the power of darkness. When Jesus came to earth, he proclaimed the kingdom of God being here. In other words, he was saying that God's rule and reign, God's power and presence are here. Jesus spoke about it, but then he did it as well. Unlike in Oxford where people like just to talk about things, don't like to actually do things. Jesus did it. He was the word worker. And Jesus forgave people's sin. He healed the sick. He cast out evil spirits. He turned aside natural disasters and he raised people from the dead. And he still does the same thing today. And that's been one of the most exciting things over the last 10 years. Seeing a constant stream of people come through this church and receive exactly the same stuff that we read in the Bible. Seeing people healed physically, seeing memories healed, seeing patterns of lifestyle broken that are destructive. Seeing lives changed so radically that you wouldn't realize that that person was ever hospitalized or suicidal or whatever it was. Sometimes it's big things, sometimes it's little things. But Jesus is doing it all the time. Now, just uh, how many of you have felt Jesus touch you uh, sometime in your attendance here in this church? It may just be that you felt God's love. It may be that you've, you've had some, uh, a clear healing. It may be some freedom that you've uh, been given in your life. Or maybe it's that God has provided for you. How many of you have sensed God do that for you in this church? Just look around. Look around. Keep your hands up. And I think for many of us, we could, uh, we could talk for a long time about the things that God's done for us. Okay, put your hands down. I've been reading through my diary, which I kept for about the first eight years. And uh, I was, one of the things I was surprised by was just the number of healings that we've seen. I'll tell you about some of them tonight. We can expect to be transformed because of the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm glad to say that I'm a very different person than I was ten years ago when we started this church. I'm the same character. I do still have some brokenness, but uh, I'm a lot less broken than I was. I wish I'd started out that way. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18 says, We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Sometimes we don't realize it's happening. Most of the time we don't realize it's happening. But just coming into God's presence and opening your heart to him in worship and in ministry and during the teaching, you will change. You can't come into God's presence with an open heart and not have something happen to you. God sends his life-giving power on us to change us from the inside. I'm not talking about some kind of external change some kind of uh, changing our behavior so that we fit in, so that we're with the in crowd and we do the right things and we wear the right clothes and all that kind of thing. We're not talking about externals. We're talking about a radical internal change that we can't bring about on ourselves. God wants us to grow to be like him, to grow up before we grow old. And that sounds great, doesn't it? We want that. We want to grow. We want to feel good about ourselves and we want to uh, feel better. 
But notice also that as we change to be like God, it's not just so that we feel good about ourselves. God wants that for us. But the change is so that we can be like God. God is a giving God. He, it's so much a part of his character, so much a part of his nature, that he can't help but give. And God wants us to grow to be like that as well. A giving people. <clears throat> not holding good things back, but uh, giving. Not thinking of ourselves all the time. So we want to change, but what about our country? Do you have a problem with some of the things that are happening in this country at the moment? Oh good, one or two of you do. That's, <laughs> that's a relief. A couple of weeks ago, I read in the paper that the government is taking away funding from groups that support marriage. And instead, they are funding groups that support homosexuality. I have a problem with that. And so I wrote to the Prime Minister to let him know that I had a problem with that. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. We need to speak up for what is right uh, and uh, let our views be known. So the, uh, News is full of stories about the breakdown of our society. Just this last week, we had that poor old woman who was mugged and killed just for her fish and chips. How sick. The British Crime Survey, these figures are a couple of years out of date. One in four women experienced domestic violence. Reported rape has increased 165% in 10 years. And during that same period of time, conviction has dropped from 24% to 9%. It says to me that there is something very wrong about our country. How do we change these trends? More legislation, more police, more education, what do we do? Well, if we legislate against evil, you're just pushing evil down in one place and it will pop up somewhere else. It doesn't change a thing. The police, if we have more police, they may catch more criminals, but again, it doesn't solve the underlying problem. Education just makes for smarter criminals. It doesn't change them at all. And so we know that only smarties have the answer. Only Jesus has the answer. Jesus changes lives. And his transforming power is here for us. It's here in this meeting. We can change today. We can receive from God today. And then when we go out to our friends and our neighbours and those we work with and those the people who wind us up and as we talk to them, as we serve them, the power of God will be there for us as well. God doesn't just live here in a church meeting. He's everywhere. And wherever we go, we can receive everything that we need from him. And I'm very glad to be able to say that the history of our country uh, is a history of God intervening and turning the country away from total disaster. It's happened on several occasions where exactly the same things that we see today were happening, where gambling was increasing, homosexuality increasing, sexual abuse increasing, and then God, through his people, turned the country around, and I believe that God wants to do exactly the same thing, and he wants to do it through you and through me. We can see our society changed. And so I encourage you, let Jesus transform you. Receive as much as you can. 
move outside of your comfort zone and let Jesus bring about the change that needs to happen so that you are free to be able to take the same thing out to other people so that you can take out with you the comfort that you've received from God and give it away. We want every person to experience the love, forgiveness and freedom of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful. It's true then, it's true today. There are people who are hungry for God. They just don't know where to find him. And unfortunately, uh, the church has put them off, turned them away, given them a bad experience, just as the, the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you. We may feel like those lepers. We may feel that we're disqualified, that we don't have anything to give, that we're empty. But in reality, we have everything of value if we have Jesus. We can't leave people starving and dying. But we want to bring them into a worshipping community where they can meet Jesus. And if they won't come into our community, then we want to go out and take Jesus to them. Uh, wherever they are, wherever we go, to see his power touch the untouchable and change the unchangeable. And those aren't just nice phrases. That is reality. That is what we can see happen. So please join me in building a worshipping community in the Oxford area that reaches out and brings the transforming reality of Jesus into every life. And you might think, well, how can I do that? Well, if you look on the back of your news sheet, for those of you who are new, it gives you six simple steps to get plugged into this church. First thing you've already done, you've come along to one of our Sunday meetings. The second thing is to join a key group. Key groups for us are the most important meeting of the week. It's where we meet on a regular basis every week with the same group of people. That's where we build relationship. That's the primary place where we receive healing. Uh, there's a key group board over here tells you where the key groups are meeting. There are a few new ones starting up soon as well. Third thing is find a ministry. Find a way of serving. Receive as much as you can. Give as much as you can. It's another great way of getting to know people. You're serving just once or twice a month with the same group of people. You'll find bump about that at the back. Join us praying or for the next 40 days you can join us fasting. Some people are giving up food. I know one person said they're giving up television. Uh, I think one person uh, said they were giving up chocolate. So a fast can take all sorts of different forms. The letter at the back will describe that. And come and join us in the prayer room. I think we're doing it so that each key group is going to come down to the prayer room uh, and pray there once during the next 40 days. Um, so obviously if you're doing your ministry that week, you won't be able to come and join us. But you can come and join us another week instead. Give your money regularly, up to you how much you give or when you give. And if you're joining us from another church in this area, please get the blessing of that church. Uh, it's important to us, the relationship that we have with other churches. Uh, we've worked hard at that over the last 10 years. And uh, we don't want to, be a, uh, to bring any kind of division or disunity within the body of Christ in Oxford. So those are six things you can do for starters. And once you've done those, I'll let you know some more. Right, why don't you stand? We'll pray together and then we'll close. Father, we want to thank you for the wonderful things that you have done. We thank you for the 
the great things that you've done through the last 10 years of this church. We thank you, Lord, for each person that you've brought to be part of this church, whether they've come just once or whether they've been here for a much longer time. And Lord, we thank you for each person that you've brought here this morning. And Lord, we ask that you would fulfill your word and that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon each one of us, and that we would be able to receive from you. And Lord, I ask that as we celebrate, that you would release your power upon us. Power to change, power to know you, and power to go out and to speak your word. And Lord, we ask that today would be another uh, shift, another changing point for us as people, growing closer to you, overcoming things that have held us, but also as a church, that it would be uh, a significant point in our development and that we would see your blessing increase uh, manyfold from this day onwards. So Lord, I ask that you'd send your spirit upon us now, that you'd help us to respond to you where we need to respond and that you give us the boldness and the, the sense to respond to you. So may God bless you. May God keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you. May you know his smile and his favor and his blessing and his undeserved love being poured out upon you this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.